0: So my title today is Broken Promises. How many of you have ever done, at least once in your life, a New Year's resolution? All of us? How many of you broke it? (laughs) All of us, right? You know, uh, I think uh, the New Year is something that everyone looks forward to because it kind of feels like a fresh... Start right, the old year is done, you have a new year before you. Um, and most people, to some extent or other, do tend to make new year's resolutions. Some of them in writing, some more serious than others. Some maybe say, Well, you know, this year I would just like to manage my money better, or you know, this year I want to spend more time with my family, or you know, you'll hear things like this. Uh, as Christians. We often do more things in the New Year's resolutions in the spiritual areas, right? This year, I want to pray more. I want to spend more time in my Bible. Uh, I want to forgive uh, more. I want to be more loving. I want to give more offering to God's work. Whatever it is, uh, I'm going to attend church more often, be more regular. Whatever it is, we we have our New Year's resolutions, We also tend to do resolutions at other times in our lives. Maybe it's at a birthday, new year of life. Uh, Maybe it's uh, when we buy a new house, start a new job, uh, move to a new state, uh, start a new relationship, whatever it is, we tend to have new starts. And whenever we have a new start, we like to have a resolution to go with that new start. Or maybe it's after a crisis or after a, a near-death experience. Um, those are also times when we tend to form new resolutions. But, you know, honestly, God has given us every day as a fresh start, hasn't he? Every morning when we wake up, we have a new day. Um, but, you know, I've often wondered... Is this New Year Resolution thing, is this kind of like a, a modern ritual that we go through? Or is this something that's happened in human history all throughout time? Is this something that we can find in the Bible? Was there anyone in the Bible who made a New Year's Resolution? And so I started digging into the Bible and I found too many to include in the sermon. <laughs> Way too many. <laughs> but I want us to look today at just a few Bible examples of people who made New Year's resolutions and how it went for them. Maybe uh, we won't feel so discouraged if it goes bad for us, right? So the very first New Year resolution that I found, now there may have been some earlier than this, but the first one I found in Genesis was in Genesis chapter 28. And I'm sure you know the story well. Jacob has just made a huge mistake. Right. He has uh, deceived his father into getting his brother's birthright and blessing and everything and uh, now is fleeing for his life because of his tragic mistake. And uh, it's his first time away from home. It's his first time on his own. He's away from family, from friends, and he's fleeing as a fugitive, hoping that his brother is not chasing him to kill him. And he comes and he lies down to rest in, uh, we find in uh, Genesis 28, starting in verse 10. He came to a certain place in verse 11. He stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took a stone and used it for a pillow and went to sleep. And what happened while he was sleeping? He had a dream, right? And in his dream, God came to him and said, I promise to be with you. You're not alone. I'm here with you. And, uh, of course, he saw more than his dream, right? He saw a ladder. He saw angels. He saw, you know, the, the basically the gateway to heaven. And when he wakes up, he is in such awe of this place. He sets up his pillow, the stone that was his pillow. He sets it up as a monument, right? And he names the place... Bethel, which means house of God. Beth is house, El is God. He names it house of God and he says, This is God's dwelling place. And because for me, this is a new year, this is a fresh start. God has wiped my sins clean. He's forgiven me for what I've done and He's given me a clean slate to start a new life. I'm going to make a new year's resolution, right? And what is his New Year's resolution? In verse 20, we find it. Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. That is his New Year's resolution. The Lord shall be my God. I will serve God. And then he adds as part of his serving God, he says, and I will give a 10th to God. I will pay my tithe. So if God is with me, I will serve the Lord and I will pay tithe. So this is Jacob's new year's resolution. Have you ever thought of it that way? Uh, it kind of puts a new light on the story, doesn't it? <laughs> <clears throat> The next Nayer's resolution that we find in the Bible, and we're going to comment a little more on Jacob a little bit later, but is Jacob's posterity in Exodus. Jacob, we know, had a fruitful life. He did, for the most part, stay true to God. He made some mistakes along the way. Um, But uh, after he moved to Egypt and his posterity was in Egypt for uh, 400 years, and they came out after slavery. They didn't know much about God. And they had forgotten this, this covenant that Jacob had made that his household would serve the Lord. And so God calls them out into the wilderness to Mount Sinai. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 24. God calls them to the wilderness to Mount Sinai. He uh, gives them the Ten Commandments. He shows them himself. He teaches them who he is and says, Israel. Here is, here is uh, who I am. I want you to follow me. And Israel's response at Mount Sinai in uh, Exodus chapter 24, verse 7, is we are going to make a new year's resolution, God. We're starting this new year at Mount Sinai. And we say with one voice, <laughs> did I say verse 3? I said verse 7. seven. It's verse 3. And seven. They said it twice. Okay. So Exodus 24 verse three, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. And then he read the book of the covenant to them. And uh, verse seven, they said all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. Now, how long did that last? (laughs) <laughs> if, if that, <laughs> 40 days, if that, because it was 40 days when Moses came down and they'd already been doing it for a while, right? <laughs> it didn't last very long. And of course, there's a few chapters in those 40 days because while Moses is up there, God is giving Moses uh, instructions. But we find what happens in Exodus chapter 32. <clears throat> Less than 40 days later, Israel is building A golden calf right and we find it exodus chapter 32 verse 1 says when the people saw that moses delayed coming down from the mountain the people gathered together to aaron and said to him come let us make gods that shall go before us for as this moses the man who brought us out of the land of egypt we do not know what became of him now who brought them out of egypt was it moses No, it was God, right? And they very clearly understood that then. But how quickly they forgot. You know, I remember one time I made a New Year's resolution. I was probably a teenager. I made a New Year's resolution and I wrote it down. And I actually found the letter uh, when I was packing after we got married, when I was packing to move out here. (laughs) The letter was probably uh, 10 years old at that time, <clears throat> but it said, God, I'm sorry for what I've done the past year. And here are my new year's resolutions that I have decided to do. And it named off, uh, I had a list of things that, uh, I planned to do as my new year's resolutions. And they were good things, right? Um, one of them was that, uh, I wasn't going to eat between meals and one was, uh, that I am going to, uh, have my devotions every morning and never skip a day. Um, and, you know, just different things like that, right? Simple things. Nothing wrong with them. But guess how long it lasted? I found another letter a month later, uh, that I wrote to God saying, God, I'm so sorry, but I have failed you. I haven't been able to do any of those things that I said I was going to do. And, uh, I just can't do it, God. I don't understand. And, you know, I think that's what Israel was is facing here. Because they, in Exodus chapter 24, they made a valiant New Year's resolution, right? Everything that God has said we will do, we will obey everything. We won't disobey anything. And then in Exodus 32, not only did they disobey everything, but, But they forgot who God was entirely. Why? Why can't we keep our New Year's resolutions? Let's look at a few more. 1 Kings, chapter 8. 1 Kings, chapter 8. Solomon. We've skipped ahead in Israel, obviously, a a few generations. Uh, We had David, who was... An amazing king. We had Saul who started out as an amazing king and his New Year's resolutions also failed, right? Um, and now we have Solomon. <clears throat> and the reason I chose Solomon as the one to look at next is because of when this is. If we look at First Kings chapter 8, verse 2. It says, therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Athenim, which is the seventh month. Is there any significance to the seventh month? Or the seventh month was the, when the day of atonement happened, right? And you'll find there are several instances in the Bible where people made New Year's resolutions in the seventh month. And it's because the Day of Atonement, even though it wasn't the end of a calendar year, the Day of Atonement was the end of their spiritual year. That was when the sanctuary was cleansed. All their sins were confessed and wiped clean. And they began a new year with a clean sanctuary, no blood in the sanctuary, no sins in the sanctuary, And their hearts were pure towards God. The beginning of that year. Uh, New Year's resolutions often happened in the Bible in the seventh month. And this is one of them. And this one is a very special one. Because this one is the dedication of the temple. So Solomon has just finished building the temple. All the time it took to build the temple. I mean, it took years, right? And uh, after the temple was done and built... Solomon waited until the seventh month to have the dedication. He wanted to start a new year for Israel with a new temple, a new dwelling place of God, and a promise that Israel would stay true to God. And so that's what we have here in verse eight. Um, We find the beginning of the eight, they brought in all the furnishings of the sanctuary. They brought in the Ark of the Covenant. And... uh, as they brought the Ark of the Covenant from where it was placed and took, brought it to the temple, every six paces they would offer a sacrifice to God, a uh, sacrifice of thanksgiving. And uh, as they got everything moved in, uh, it says in verse 10, that it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. So the priest could not even continue ministering because of the cloud. Because the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So they've got the temple now and God's glory for the first time. Since the ark was taken captive by the Philistines is now shining in Israel once again. And they are beginning a new year. And I'm not going to read all of Solomon's prayer and all of his injunction to um, uh, Israel, which basically is the whole chapter of of 1 Kings chapter 8. But I'd like us to look at a few verses here. Uh, Let's look at verse 61. This is Solomon's words to Israel after he has finished his prayer of dedication of the temple. He says to Israel, let your heart, therefore, be loyal to the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as at this day. So he says, Israel, I want you all to join with me and make a New Year's resolution that we will serve God and obey his commandments. And we know that the early years of Solomon, he did just that. But is very interesting. Um, his uh, his, because we know his later years, he left God, left, left the worship of God, and began worshiping idols. But the the downfall of Israel and what caused their apostasy during the latter reign of Solomon actually started at the time, is the very beginning of his reign when he was building the temple and. It was actually a love of money. Uh, when he was building the temple, instead of asking God to show him who to to uh, get as the the key workmen to organize, you know, oversee the entire temple being put together, instead of asking God to show him a man, he asked Hiram, king of Tyre, to send him his best man. And when Hiram, king of Tyre, sent Solomon his best man. That he had who actually was of the tribe of Dan. His mother was from Dan and his father was from Tyre. Um, The man did great work. And of course, obviously Solomon's temple was a success. But because he was not a full Israelite, his heart was not in the work. He didn't have that spirit of love and devotion to God. And he demanded very high wages. Well, Solomon had no problem with that. Sure. You know, you're the top guy. I will pay you high wages. And so as they were building the temple together, this man making huge astronomical wages and everybody else making very low wages because they were just excited to be in the service of God. And, you know, this was their sacrifice to God to to build this house, you know, some maybe almost for free. They started seeing what that guy was making. They said, wait a second. Why, why, uh, why is he making lots of money and none of us are? And they lost the spirit of sacrifice and joy in the service of God. And pretty soon they had a strike and they all demanded higher wages, which Solomon was so excited about having the temple bill. He was like, sure, no problem. And he gave everybody a raise. But that, those seeds of discontent and those seeds of greed began to grow in the kingdom of Israel. And uh, then Solomon made another mistake. What was that? He got married. (laughs) We find it in uh, 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. uh, We're going to look at verses 4 through 6. It says, For it was so, when Solomon was old, That his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. And it goes on and continues. So what happened to Solomon's New Year's resolutions? Why? Why did Solomon fail? Let's look at a couple more. Let's go to Nehemiah. This one should be really familiar because we just studied this in Sabbath school, right? Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9. In Nehemiah chapter 9, did anyone remember what month this was of the year? It doesn't say in this chapter. It says in the previous chapter. It says it in chapter 8. 8 verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1. What does it say when this happened? Okay. The first day of the seventh month. Thank you. Verse 2. I was looking at uh, 7 verse uh, 73 apparently. It's just before chapter 8. This is when the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in the cities. And then verse two, Ezra, the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women who all could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. So this is their new year's resolutions. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> in chapter nine, you find that they have had this whole uh, assembly where they're fasting, They're praying, they're they're confessing their sins. And they're reading from the book of the law in verse 3. And then they have a prayer in the rest of the chapter of verse 9. And in verse 36 is what I want. This is the end of their prayer. It says, here we are, your servants today. And the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty. Here we are, servants in it. And it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. And because of all this, we make a New Year's resolution (laughs) in writing. You see that? We make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. And in chapter 10, it names every single person who signed their name to this written document of their New Year's resolutions. And uh, <clears throat> if you look at what their New Year's resolutions were, it specifically said that they were going to keep the commandments, right? They were going to keep the Sabbath, they weren't going to intermarry. Uh, they were going to keep up the temple, make sure that they paid their tithe and their offering and their temple tax so that the temple would not fall into disrepair and that they would be uh, loyal people to God, right? How long did it last? We just studied this the Sabbath school, right? Chapter 13, how long did it last? Nehemiah chapter 13, we find that Nehemiah has to go away for a short time, on business and he comes back and what does he find? (laughs) The leadership had intermarried, right? Not just the common people, but the leadership, the ones who had actually signed their names on that document with the new year's resolution. They had intermarried. They had forgotten the Sabbath. They had, uh, disrepair. They had let the temple fall into disrepair. They had let their enemies move into the room in the temple, right? Um, they'd quit paying their tithe and offering, uh, and, uh, the merchants were selling in the city streets on Sabbath. Um, what went wrong? Why can't they keep their new year's resolutions? Well, why can't we keep our new year's resolutions? What's wrong? Why, why are we having... And throughout history, why do we have such a hard time keeping New Year's resolutions? We lose touch with God? And we're influenced by other people, right? You know, there is a... I think I left it over here. There's a quote that was very comforting to me when I started uh, dealing with this challenge in my teenage years. uh, About... Why I could never keep my New Year's resolutions. I'm going to share it with you. It says you desire to give yourself to God, but you are weak in moral power. You are slave to doubt and controlled by the habits of your life of sin. Your promises and New Year's resolutions are like ropes of sand. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. The knowledge of your broken promises and forfeited pleasures, pledges excuse me, weakens your confidence in your own sincerity and causes you to feel that God cannot accept you. Have you ever felt that way? I know that was one of my biggest struggles. It's like, I can't keep my New Year's resolutions. I can't do anything right. God must not be able to accept me. I must not be his child. And that's when the devil comes in with all of his temptations, right? You are inferior. You're worthless. You can't do anything right. Uh, you're going to have to clean up your act before God can do anything for you. Have you ever felt that way? Am I the only one? Okay. <laughs> you know... When Israel told God, all that the Lord has said, we will do and we'll be obedient. That was what is referred to in the Bible as the old covenant, right? But God has promised to give us a new covenant. And uh, I'd like us to look once again at Psalm 53. We looked at Psalm 51, our scripture. reading. Let's look at Psalm 53, verses 2 and 3. God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see who are in if there are any who understand, who seek God. Every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No not one. So how many of us can keep our new year's resolutions? None What do you know? We aren't the only ones. There is nobody. Who can keep their New Year's resolutions? But what is the promise that we have in Jeremiah? I'm sure you have the passage by memory. Jeremiah 31, right? God wants to change our heart. He wants to change our heart. in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers. When they said all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and be obedient, right? (laughs) When I took them out of the, by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, that covenant they broke. Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. What does that mean? I will put my law in their hearts, in their minds and write it on their hearts. God wants to give us a new heart. So if God wants to give us a new heart, how can we have that new heart? Because that's what we want, right? That's why we're making all these New Year's resolutions is because I want that new heart. I want to I, I want to be perfect this year. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, <laughs> I'd like to share with you a, a little bit more of that passage I was reading to you earlier. It says, what, uh, excuse me, uh, you need not despair. I love that. You need not despair. What you need to understand is the true force of the will. The will is the governing power in the nature of man, the power of decision or of choice. Everything depends on the right action of the will. The power of choice God has given to men. It is theirs to exercise. You cannot change your heart. You cannot of yourself give God its affections, but you can choose to serve him. You can give him your will, and then he will will work in you to will and do according to his good pleasure. Thus your whole nature will be brought under the control of the Spirit of Christ. Your affections will be centered upon him. Your thoughts will be in harmony with him. Through this choice, through the right exercise of the will, an entire change may be made in your life. So how can we choose? Remember the first New Year's resolution that we read about Jacob? What was his New Year's resolution? I will serve the Lord, right? I will serve the Lord. That was his New Year's resolution. That was his choice. He says, God I choose to serve you. He didn't make a whole list of everything that he was going to do right or wrong. He says, God, I will serve you. What did Israel say? They said, God, I'll do everything you said, right? <laughs> I'll do it. I can do it all in my own strength and my own power. No, we can't, but we can choose God. Joshua understood this. If you look at Joshua twenty four fifteen, you probably have this one memorized, right? This was Joshua's final call to Israel before he passed away. Joshua 24:15. Yes, he says, "Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Joshua chose to serve God. And that is the choice that we can make. You know, we had one more in our Sabbath school lesson this morning. Did you see it? Daniel chapter one. Daniel chapter one, verse eight. That's right. Daniel purposed in his heart, right? Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. That word purpose Daniel chose. And Daniel chose to serve God. And it's interesting, if you study into that word purpose in the original uh, languages, you will discover that it actually means that Daniel gave his heart to God. He chose God. Daniel purposed. And what was the result of Daniel's choice to serve God? A lifelong experience with God, where when evil men who wanted his place tried to find fault with him, they could find nothing that they could bring an accusation against him for. Because Daniel chose God. So I have a challenge for you. If you wrote any New Year's resolutions this year or thought about any resolutions that you wanted this year, I challenge you to rewrite them. And rather than a list of all the things that you're going to do, I want you to put the top. I choose to serve God this year. Because we have a promise. We have a promise that by yielding our will to Christ, we ally, we ally ourselves with the power that is above principalities and powers, we will have strength from above to stay steadfast, and thus, through constant surrender to God, we will be enabled to live a new life, even a life of faith. If you turn into a, our final passage is Jude twenty four. This is one of my favorite promises in the entire Bible. And it fits so well with what we're talking about here. Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Friends, that's what I long for. And that's what God wants for each of us. He says, Choose me today, and I will keep you from falling. And he's also promised that if you fall, he will pick you up. Choose God today. And I pray that you will not see broken promises ever again. Father, we are so thankful for your power. And Father, we come to you today because we do. We choose you. We give our lives to you. And Father, we can't do anything more than that except choose you. But we ask that you will take us, that you will give us a new heart, that you will fill us with your power and your Holy Spirit, that we may live your power in our lives, that we may be able to walk with you, We ask that you will present us faultless as you have promised to do. And we thank you so much for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.